Are you a business owner looking for real advice and input? You're in the right place. From concept to launch to growth, funding and beyond. Welcome to Startup Hustle with your hosts. One once sold a business for $150 million. The other, the author of Million Dollar Bedroom. Here are your hosts of Startup Hustle, Matt DeCourcy and Matt Watson. And we're back. Another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here with Matt Watson. Hi, Matt. What's going on, man? Just another day in the queue, baby. Uh, Raising some cash? No, I mean, well, they say queue time is due time, right? Or is that just me that says that? Or doo-doo time? Uh, No, 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 no. No. Maybe for some. It depends if you have the TP in stock, I think. (laughs) I've got toilet paper. I know. Well... That seems like a perfect time to mention that this episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, which can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. And speaking of doing things affordably, or maybe even quickly, those are things that might not be in everybody's vocabulary or purview right now. So we wanted to bring in an expert with us today. We have Thad Langford, the managing partner of Flyover Capital. I guess there's plenty to talk about in the world of VC, PE, TP. Anyway, I'm sure a lot of this is affecting what you guys are doing at Flyover Capital, not to mention the overall venture markets. Uh, you want to give us a quick update on on how that whole world's looking these days? Uh, so we just kind of take status of the cash situation, you know, across our across each of the businesses. So. You know, what do the cash inflows look like? What do the cash outflows look like? Let's get a current status and let's start doing some scenario planning. And so those are the common things across, uh, you know, across the portfolio, um, although each of the details underneath, uh, you know, varied pretty substantially. Yeah, it's a domino effect. And a lot of us don't know where we're at in the process, right? And and every week is different. You know, at, at Stackify, so, you know, we sell a B2B software service and, you know, our, our business has stayed relatively flat. So we've, we've been pretty fortunate. Uh, we're actually up half a percent over this time last uh, month. So we're, so that, that's a huge win, right? But we don't know week to week, you know, we, we had a, a fairly good sized customer cancel this week. Um, but we're also signing up some new customers. So, you know, we're hoping to just kind of tread water, but you really just don't know. One of like you know, one of our big customers was a movie a movie theater chain that had canceled. Another one uh, that canceled a couple of days ago was uh, online reservations for restaurants that is canceled. So you know, it, it's just hit or miss. But then we have other customers that are in the education space, online education that's booming. So you know, it's it's hit or miss, and it's week to week. We just don't know what what's going to happen and. I kind of felt like April 1st, we'd see a flurry, like everybody kind of waits, you know, and they're kind of doing monthly budgeting and maybe May 1st may be the big D-Day. I don't know. We'll see. Now, Thad, you mentioned things being regional and Flyover Capital, which by the way, if you're listening, you can go to flyovercapital.com and check out more about what they're doing or maybe drop a business plan in their lap. Um, you, The flyover regions haven't been, and now... I guess we should probably define that. So for those of you listening, the flyover areas are the middle, the middle states of the United States. So we're here in Kansas City, which is about dead center of flyover territory for a lot of people. And our region hasn't been terribly stricken 
with with illness, not like New York or Seattle or LA. Um, I mean, really, the major ports of entry to the United States are the areas that have really, really been hammered. Um, do you think that that has benefited? I mean, just the regional nature. Do you think that that has has caused less interruption with the flyover companies? Or since most of our businesses service people all over the country, do you think it's been kind of unilateral? Yeah, I, I think it's a global world, right? Well, we don't have a lot of people that are sick in the Midwest, but we're all on lockdown. So it's kind of the same effect. I think that companies that haven't even been greatly affected meaning like when you look at stackify matt are you are you out spending a whole lot of new money right now well we're trying to be a little more conservative i mean we've got right. some expenses and you know trying to figure out how much more do we do we pull back on investing on certain things and you know how do we weather the storm right which is what everybody else is asking themselves yeah and that's one of the things that i think is you know has a has a pretty profound effect across any company is you know you as a sale as someone who considers myself to be a salesperson you know there there's there's strong buying climates and then there's times when people are just sitting on the wallet and i think that you know times like this are always going to have i mean you saw the same thing in in 2008 it's just you know and and it, you talk about the effect you know, at full scale, I mean, we definitely saw a decline in billing. We didn't churn many, I mean, only one client, but a lot of our clients, you know, you talk about, you know, three dozen different companies we work with. And if they all put one person back on our bench, it becomes fairly significant. And that's, it's not that any of them, well, some of them were reporting heavy declines in revenue. And those were companies related to travel, maybe automotive, different stuff like that, anything that had events or people centric around what they were doing. And then we've, and then we've had some companies, you know, that were in the, well, we'll just say the telespace are reporting record inquiry for their, for their services, but even they're tentative to spend money. And that's just because the, the, the idea that their cash runway is what they thought it was. Now, you know, Thad, I'm just assuming that you read the letter that Sequoia Capital issued in March. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with this? I am. Yes. Yeah. And, you know, they've kind of, they've kind of now made themselves a bit of a harbinger when it comes to certain things. Now I found that letter to be remarkably useful just from a perspective standpoint, but you know, two of the things that the two of the things that are in there that they say you have to question are your own cash runway and your ability to raise funds. Um, and you know, that's, that's the whole point. Now, when it comes to, when it comes to liquidity and, 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 private equity firms putting money into early stage businesses, how much of that got seized up when the stock market took a nosedive? It, that, that may end up meaning that you need to actually spend more now to reposition once things start, you know, turning around. Um, of a guessing game and it's, uh, you know, scenario analysis here. And so you're kind of placing percentages on what's going to happen in the future. What kind of industries do you think are interested in spending more as opposed to less right now? Matt mentioned one earlier, the online education space. I think that space is uh, is trying to just figure out how to handle the the load. So one of the things you talk about from an analytics standpoint, you know, looking at sales forecasts and possible expenses related to marketing. Now, one of the things that is pretty apparent is with as as heavy and quickly as the changes have come and been 
that I mean, how how much can you rely on past sales forecasts or you know any type of cost of acquisition uh, analysis or anything like that? I mean, I, I think that in many cases you got to throw a lot of that stuff out the window and start all over again. Does that make your does that make your job a lot difficult a lot more difficult? I do think it makes it a lot tougher. I mean, just the unknown is really difficult. And, you know, I think, you know, thinking through different ways to, you know, it became very commonplace on the on the marketing side. Um, it became much more routinized, much more scalable, much more digital. Um, uh, and, 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 you know, that sales were dependent on that, those, those type of marketing tactics. I actually think it's actually interesting the trend back to um, deep kind of connectedness to your, to your sales targets. Um, so right now, for example, I mean, we're encouraging our portfolio companies to reach out uh, like hand-to-hand -hand combat, kind of back to a little bit of old school, um, <laughs> you know, reach out to your customer, talk to them, see what they're going through. Because to your point, we actually don't know what is happening on on um, on the other side. And so, um, so while it's, you know, not as scalable as the way that we were kind of, you know, moving towards in the digital sense, um, I think there's something you know, that people are actually looking for that, that connectedness, you know, that real kind of personal connection right now um, with everybody so distanced off from each other, that it kind of matches pretty well with the need to really understand the situation on the other side, which is a little more nuanced now than maybe it once was. I think that's all I've been doing the last couple of weeks is talking to clients and customers about what is actually going on in their world. I mean, it's a it's a wide array. I mean, I've talked to people that have had funding rounds that have fallen through and talked to people that are cutting expenses as precautionary measures up front. Um, and doing a lot of different things. So how do you think that the government stimulus plan is affecting, is going to affect the businesses that you're working with or just businesses in general? I mean, we, we full scale managed to receive approval on a SBA That's on, the PP, on the PPP. Well, we were, we were way in front of it. I mean, it was even before last week, which I say last week, uh, you know, I, I normally don't timestamp episodes. We're recording this on April 7th. Things are things are changing so quickly now. I've been timestamping these things so we don't sound like we're a week behind if the it, when it comes out. But I mean, even before, you know, more than a week before the the uh, application submission opened, you know, I was I was really, you know, just I wouldn't shut up to our C COO. I was like, we need to reach out to anybody we've talked to about SBA before, figure out who the right lenders are and really kind of get on their radar. So we'd be in front of that line. Now that line started to look pretty long for a lot of people, but I mean, what, what, what's your overall opinion on that and, and how it could affect the businesses that you guys are, are your portfolio companies or just businesses in general. Oh, I think it can absolutely be part of the lifeline. And, and I give, you know, I give them a lot of credit, uh, obviously, for for putting that package in place. Um, I happen to think that it's going to require a lot more um, than, than what they put in place. Um, yeah, me too. And I'm not sure that, you, you know, the speed at which it got rolled out. Um, uh, good, good for you guys kind of being, you know, I think everybody was certainly aware of it. 
but how to approach it and actually the execution of it. You know, we still have some companies that you know, the banks that they're working with still, you know, are just now accepting the applications. Um, and yeah. so, uh, so I think it's made it, you know, tough, tougher, but I do think that it will probably, you know, it'll require another round of, uh, of that funding and, you know, knock on wood, hopefully that, that comes through, but I think it's a key component of it, but I don't think it's the only component. I don't think it's the only lifeline. I think companies need to take things and, you know, certainly in their own hands as much as they possibly can. And, you know, like, it's, like I mentioned, kind of go through the steps before and assess their own business and determine, you know, what's going to be required and, and what are some of the other avenues to be able to, um, you know, to, to, to fill the gaps, um, or, uh, you know, I'll go back to survive in advance. I think that's a, I think that's a good analysis. Matt, what's your take on all this stuff? I, mean, I think what you mentioned earlier, Thad, was the figuring out your runway, you know, is it 12 months? Is it 18 months? And I saw some, some things that recommended like 12 to 18 months, because it may be that long until the capital markets and investing markets come back around. Um, but it's but it's hard, you know. When you're, a, let's say, you're a company like StackFi, and and we thought we were going to do X, we thought we were going to do Y, you know, our runway kind of depends on all those variables. Like it's so hard to know and project the future that it, at the same time you don't want to be ultra conservative and like fire eighty percent of your employees. So I mean, it's like it's a really difficult time right now, and it's just a week to week thing. Yes, I I hundred percent agree. I mean, I think it's. You know, yeah. those that are strong and are really on top of their business, you're going to see a bifurcation here of those founders and entrepreneurs that are really on top of their business and know it on a day to day basis and those that are not. And I think this crisis certainly will push those that that were not prior to crisis will push them closer to being on top of their business or else they won't survive through this. And and I do think there is something I mean, look, I, you know, I, I, I was running uh, running our business in 2008, 2010. So technology startup during 2008, 2010. So I have a little bit of PTSD kind of coming through that crisis. And um, what I do know is that for those that buckle down, that really understand their business, that are able to make really hard decisions right now, and there are lots of hard decisions to be made right now, that if you can make it through it, you do come out the other end stronger um, maybe not on the balance sheet, but you come out stronger as an entrepreneur, as you know, knowing your business well. And I think it does help you position to be able to then kind of um, thrive. So survive, survive in advance, and then thrive is the third component. Um, so once you kind of survive and make it through it, how do you thrive after that? And I think the the struggle and the um, you know, really forces you to really understand your business, understand your customers, understand your cash runway, understand where every dollar is going and how do you generate return out of that dollar. And it forces you to do that during these times that it, it will make those entrepreneurs that do that better and stronger coming out of the end and, and raises the probability of success uh, at the end of this. It's that survival of the fittest. Thad, what's the, what's the, so you mentioned, you know, having been around in 2008, 2009, I, I referred to my, on a phone call yesterday, I referred to myself as an old jaded entrepreneur, meaning like I, I have kind of as much as of an optimist as I consider myself to be in life. I have, I have, uh, 
learn to respect Murphy and all of his laws, perhaps. Um, you know, I mean, what, what's the, what, as having, you know, this is the second, this is 10 years, 12 years later from the last major crisis. Um, what's the, what's the, you know, what, what, what have you, uh, what, what's your advice from a vill as a village elder, like the rest of us on the podcast today? Yeah. I like, I like to refer to myself as a, a realistic optimist. Yeah. Um, so, Good one, yeah. you know, that the, the, you, you've got to have a balance there. And, and, um, you know, I, I again, I, I don't think it's any different than, you know, what I was saying before, which was, you know, know your business, know thy business. I mean, that, that is the, that is the key. And, you know, you have to be on top of this or else you won't make it through. And I do think that, you know, every successful entrepreneur that I know of, uh, at least that I know, the trajectory was not straight up and to the right. It wasn't like their forecast on the on the slide, right? <laughs> the revenue is just going straight up and to the right. It was everyone has hit a point where they thought that they were going to be out of business um, at least once if not twice, if not multiple times. And, you know, the ones that really made it through and again, had to make some hard decisions and it's not easy, right? I mean, you, you have to make some tough decisions around, you know, what people to keep, what your team look like, um, <laughs> what your valuation look like on your company and have a realistic view of it and make some really hard decisions kind of through it. But again, I do think that, you know, every successful entrepreneur I know has hit that point um, and I know of very few successful entrepreneurs that 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 have not at least hit that point once. Yeah, I think some of the things that you're talking about when you refer to, quote, hard decisions is also, you know, taking you. It, I, I love the term realist, realistic optimist. But in order to be that, you know, you have to like, you know, I, I mentioned the the Sequoia letter before, which was a, kind of a nice little bullet list of, of, of bullshit that you can expect to occur over the next, you know, who knows, unforeseeable future. But, you know, just little things like expecting a drop in business activity, expecting supply chain disruptions, knowing you're going to see a curtailment of travel and canceled meetings, question your cash runway, don't assume that any fundraising is going to occur at the valuation that you thought it would or at all. Um, don't rely on your past sales forecasting or marketing analysis. And then other things like you might have to question your headcount and your overall capital spending, which, you know, all those things are different. You know, you look at at certain businesses, like at full scale, I need, I need the headcount to generate revenue now or going forward. But at what point does that get so heavy that you have to take care of it? You know, and, and then at other businesses, you might be able to, you might have an easier time um, changing your headcount and have a different impact on what it is. And, and you know how everything's going, and 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 I think one of the things that you said that's really important is every every business has a different is looking at a different scenario. And and by the way, uh, I don't think I've ever owned a business that I didn't look at and say, oh shit, we might go out of business at some point. Mm -hmm. You mentioned that 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 seems to be like a rite of passage for successful businesses along the way. It's uh, you know, almost that uh, equivalent of having hot skates on thin ice at certain times. And, you know, that whole that whole concept of survive in advance is is pretty. I mean, even in times that not even in times of non crisis, it seems to be 
um, usually something that entrepreneurs get to get to tuck under their pillow at night and dream about it not being that way. So, you know, I think that I, I think that it, it, one of the things that entrepreneurs especially are are equipped for are crisis situations because if you've done this long enough, you're used to that up and down roller coaster. I mean, I think Matt and I have spent so much time on this podcast talking about the ups and the downs and also even focused on things like founders depression, which I would bet as at is is probably at an all time high right now. What, what what's your what's your thoughts on that, Watson? <laughs> I think I think they said on TV yesterday four out of five Americans have some form of stress, depression, mental issues at this point related to, you know, they lost their job, they're worried about getting sick, they're stuck at home, like all of those things, right? Like all of Americans have some sort of mental health problem at this point. Is that and up for from, sure? Is that, is that up to is that up to four out of five from three and a half? Probably so. Yeah, yeah. I just, I mean. But, <laughs> But yeah, you talk about that and you know that, I mean, we've literally had episodes in the past about the, the term founders depression, which, you know, entrepreneurship is a tough ride and it is a battle and it's, uh, it's, it's that surviving advanced mentality on a lot of days. And sometimes you're like, Hey, let's just take care of today and we'll worry about tomorrow when we wake up tomorrow. Um, I think that that, that some of the things right now that are the toughest to, to plan around is like, you even just look at like, okay. So it was just a few days ago that you could apply for a PPP loan, which going up to that moment of submitting your application was something that the government had. Oh yeah, this would be, could be pretty easy. You may see a same day approval and the banks are going, Hey, 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 come on now. You know, don't be say, don't say that too much because people might begin to believe it. Then you see every, you know, you start hearing about banks turning stuff away, blah, blah, blah. Just the level of uncertainty. I, I, I've quoted Tom Petty multiple times when he said the waiting is the hardest part. Um, you know, and I think maybe the way we can we can round this episode out. And once again, with us today, we had Thad, Thad Langford, the managing partner of Flyover Capital, which you can find at flyovercapital.com. But I think maybe we could we could do a, a quick round and, and we could give some insight about at what point you're actually waiting and at what point you're actually being stubborn. Does anybody have any input on that? Because it's, it's, that's a tough question, but at some well, point, at some point you're doing one or the other. Well, you talked earlier about the uh, extending the runway thing, right? Let, let's say we, we have six months of, of runway right now. And we need to get to 12 to 18 or, or figure something out. But every month that you wait, the ability to extend that, you know, five months that would be left to 12 or to 18 becomes infinitely more difficult. And so, but it's, it's a very delicate balancing act with the, like you said, being stubborn. And I think it was the Sequoia article you mentioned or, or some other things I read that talked about, you know, the more you hesitate, the worse it becomes because especially those that think that they're almost there, they're like, Oh, well next week we'll get this thing and we're really close. And then like another week and another week. And, and you're just like circling the drain. Right. And, but, but we're also in this, this place where we talk about PPP, for example, PPP is a huge lifeline. So I could have laid off half my staff last week or I wait a week and I get PPP, and then I'm good for two or three months, you know, and, and, and that's where everybody is in this delicate balance of figuring out, do you, do you 
make the brash decisions and you let everybody go and you extend your runway or do you wait a couple weeks, you get PPP and it's so difficult. I don't, I, you know, I, I think we're all going to be schizophrenic. <laughs> if, we, if, we weren't, if we all weren't already. Yeah, it's tough. Dad, yeah, you what, know, what, what's your input here? Yeah, well, it's interesting. The two words you use, waiting and stubborn, I, 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 I think um, they have different connotations underlying them, right? I mean, waiting kind of connotates or kind of brings up the, you know, conjures the idea of not doing anything, right? So kind of just waiting and sitting back and being more reactive, where stubborn to me has a little bit more of a proactive slant to it, right? We're still being stubborn. I'm still kind of plowing forward. I'm still trying to take action, trying to figure figure it out. And I would much rather be on the stubborn side than on the waiting side, if that are if if those are the underlying kind of contextual uh, components of those of those two words, because you know. It, it is, there's always something that you can be doing. And Matt, I, I, boy, I, I feel it. You know, I've, I've felt that pain of like, you know, when do you, you know, when do you make those hard calls of, you know, reducing the workforce versus kind of hanging on for, for a little while, for another month, you know, if I just, if I keep that person for one more month, they're going to land the next sale, you know, big, yeah. big sale for the company, et cetera. And so, you know, and, and the reality is, you know, it's an unknown. Um, and so, you know, I think at the end of the day, as long as you are being, as long as stubborn means that you are on, you're being stubborn, meaning you are on top of your game on every move within that business and are being thoughtful about each of the moves that you make, then I think you're on the right path. I mean, I, you know, I tell people all the time, I go, look, I, I feel like I got a lot more wrong than I got right when I, you know, when I was running the company that I was running. Uh, it just so happened the things I got right were the right things to get right at the right time. And the things I got wrong didn't kill the company. But at no time was it, uh, was it responsible or okay just to stand still and not do anything. And I think that's the, that's the point is kind of, you know, I mentioned, you know, people were paralyzed a couple, you know, like two weeks ago, because it was just like, oh, my gosh, like the world is fundamentally crumbling right now. Um, and I think very quickly, the sooner we can get out of that and at least take steps forward, one step at a time, one decision at a time, one move at a time, you're not going to make all the right ones, but at least you're moving and at least you are taking action and you're being stubborn in the sense that you are um stubborn in your belief that you're going to make it through this and that you're going to take the next step. You know, I, and great answers from both of you guys. I'll, I'll, maybe I'll just mush the two together. Cause I think that, I think that you're right. The, the terms do need a, a, a bit of context to them. So like, for example, when I say waiting, I had to wait a little bit to see like, an example would have been last week, we didn't even have guidelines about how PPP would be calculated, um, when that might be available, what the application process was, what the likelihood of forgiveness might have been uh, in and around the whole the whole program. So in certain cases, you do end up waiting. Um, in some regards, I've seen a lot of business owners over the last 15 years be stubborn in a way that that led to fatality you know mm -hmm. and and uh 
you know, just sitting there and saying the ship is not headed towards the rocks. The ship is not headed towards the rocks, people. And it clearly is, you know, I've and then I, I think that that a certain mix of being of waiting and being stubborn can also lead to fatality because, you know, you're going to have people that are going to come out of this and they're going to be saying for years, well, if things were only the way they used to be, which are words that I hear people say right before they go bankrupt. Um, a lot, you know, and say, guess what? Things are never going to be the way they used to be. They're only going to be the way that they are going forward. And, you know, so that's where that kind of mix of waiting and stubborn can cross the line. I, I, I 1000% agree that the term waiting should not, should not mean that you're just sitting there doing nothing. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, like during our, our, our quote waiting, we got high, we have been highly analytical, and really trying to look at a bunch of different things. I think I'm about one cash flow scenario away from schizophrenia, Matt. Um, I think that, you know, it's like, I don't even know which tab I'm looking at on the spreadsheets anymore. I'm like, is this the, uh, you know, it's, it's there's so, so many different things. And we started modeling this out, you know, Thad, I don't know if you know this, but I was over in the Philippines for the first 19 days of March. And, um, that side of the world is, uh, was a couple weeks ahead of us when it came to a lot of stuff. So I was, you know, around the 7th of March, I was in the Philippines and I'm going into the full scale office in my hotel or Seven Eleven or anywhere. And they're zapping your forehead with a laser and to see if you have, have, have a temperature. And I'm sitting there going, oh man, shit's getting real. And that that actually had a, had a big effect on, on me because I started, you know, it's, it's kind of hard to not feel the gravity of what's going on when everywhere you go, there's a dude or a lady in a face mask zapping your forehead with a laser to see if you have a temperature. I, now the, the, according to me, I was about 60 degrees. They kept telling me I, I was 38 or 37 or 36. And I'm like, that doesn't make any sense to me. I'm like, <laughs> I, I, I'm way low. I mean, I'm, I might, I might be dead then. And they're like, Celsius. So I still don't understand any of that, but I know that you don't want to be above 38. So, uh, but you know, like I said, there was a, there was a level of reality that was just like slapped right across my face with that. And it really started to, you know, to, to make me realize, uh, especially when I, it was the point at our office building when they wouldn't let more than five people in the elevator. And, you know, I was like, wow. And, you know, you started seeing things and you're seeing them here now, but they had like little, like little, little footprints in the elevator that have like five sets of them. And they're like, Hey, stand here. And now you go to the grocery store, you know, or, or I haven't been to the grocery store since I've been back, but you know, like, I mean, traveling, traveling through Tokyo on the way back and having to go through a high tech thermal sensor. I'm like, wow, okay, that's weird. And then getting back to Seattle and seeing that we had, we were doing none of the stuff that I had then become used to. I was like, oh, we might be in trouble. So yeah, I think that when it comes to like, you know, it's, it's as a, you know, the, the great chess masters of the world are, are very well known for trying to play three, four, five, six moves ahead as many as they can. But in order to come to that, to that solution, they've got to look at it as many moves and as many combinations and as many things as possible. So I think if you are sitting and, and quote, waiting, 
if you're waiting to see what happens in something, don't make those events that are super far away, like waiting a couple of days to see how your PPP loan application goes is a different scenario than waiting till March or waiting till May 27th to make a decision about personnel. I mean, you might be, we might be living in a completely different world by, by then. So who knows, but well, once, once again, with us today, we have Thad Langford, the managing partner of Flyover Capital. You can learn more about Thad and his company at flyovercapital.com. Thad, do you have anything else to say on the way out? No, I think just kind of circling back, uh, maybe the last thing is just, you know, the realistic, optimistic, uh, realistic, uh, realistic optimism uh, is the is the best approach. And and I also just will piggyback on a little bit of what you said, you know, just encourage everyone to uh, to play chess, not checkers here. Um, even though you're thinking about that next jump, uh, think about several moves forward. Um, now is the time to be able to do that. In a lot of cases, people have we now have the time to be able to think ahead. Um, I think there's a little, you know, that's the optimistic side of me is to think, all right, what are the good what's some of the good things that can come out of this? And I think it has allowed people to, I think now, maybe this week, to slow down just a bit to be able to think more strategically and to allow themselves to think about those moves in advance uh, to allow them to play chess, not checkers. Well, once again, great advice. And I think on that note, I'll go ahead and say I'll see you guys next time. Thanks so much for listening to this episode of Startup Hustle with Matt DeCarsi and Matt Watson. For more great content and to stay up to date, visit startuphustle.xyz. And if you enjoyed today's episode, please rate and subscribe. And we'll catch you next time on Startup Hustle.